1: Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Today we have a very, very special guest. I am so honored to introduce this artist, um, a fellow Corcoran you know, alum, and I'm so excited to chat and pick his brain for this episode. Lionel Frazier White III is a Washington, D.C. native, arts educator, and interdisciplinary conceptual artist. They work in painting, drawing, wood sculpture installation and mixed media collage. White's work explores themes of forced and coerced labor and its effect on family pathology, erasure, displacement, reassertion and gentrification. White holds a bachelor's in fine arts from the George Washington University Corcoran School of Art and Design and is a graduate of Duke Ellington School of the Arts High School in Washington, DC. They have been exhibited at the DC Commission on arts and humanities, Prince George's African-American Art Museum and Cultural Center, Torpedo Factory, Connect the Dots, Rush Arts Galleries, and Area 405. White was a 2019 Halcon Arts Lab cohort, three fellow in residence in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the show, Lionel. Um,
0: it's like when people read that stuff to you, it's like, I did all that. Right. <laughs> white. Okay. Like, well, oh step. Uh but yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Wonderful. So Trey, um, you are an artist as well as an arts educator. Um, how do you do both?
0: How do I do both? Uh I just it's kinda like it's it's literally like a night, just like the Nike thing, like you just do it. <laughs> uh, I, think I do it is because it's really ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. Like like when work comes, I have the permission, like uh you know, it's, it's it's really the commissions and the kind of like shows that keep me busy. Um, and I'm always I'm always thinking about the work. I'm never not thinking about the work. Um, the work is always present like, on my mind. Right. And, oh, like you know, usually if I get a commission, then I'm kind of like, all right. Me. You know, it do be nights where I do be up to, like two or three o'clock before, like, to get it done. Mm-hmm. And you know, those times where it's like, all right. You got a deadline, you know. Uh, I'm getting older now. I'm not old. I'm only 27, but that is not old. <laughs> it's not old, but is. If I feel like when I used to be in school and college, I could stay up to like four o'clock in the morning, drink a coffee, and 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 getting like, it done you know, to get it done. I can't do anymore. It, no <laughs> it feels, but uh, but I think like, I think how I do it is like, definitely commissions definitely staying present in the community, Mm -hmm. in the artistic, like, community, seeing, how the folks will, like, you know, describe it. Um, I think those things, like, staying consistent. Mm -hmm. I mean, folks will hit you up and be like, hey, saw this, what about you? Um, And so I feel like that's the thing that kind of keeps me, like, active, Um, is that, you know, like, just the, it's generosity and the thoughtfulness of, like, you know, people seeing your work and, like, being out there. Um, showing up and, like, doing different things. And then also have a community of, like, friends and, like, peers that, you know, are always, like, sending you things or, like, hitting you up about stuff and, like, mm-hmm. things your way, whether it be, like, fellowship opportunities, whether it be grants or, like, those things that kind of, like, keep you afloat. Uh, so it's been a mixture of, like, uh, just the ebb and flow of, like, right now, I don't have time to really be in the studio right now. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of focusing on my my day job. Uh, But, you know, so the day job allows me to really like uh, sustain myself because I'm a, being a theoretical artist or being a conceptual artist and being like, also like a, for me, like an anti-capitalist Mm-hmm. i very, like black artists. I talk about like, white supremacy in my work. I talk mm-hmm. about systemic domination, uh, you know. And, you know, I'm not. I don't see myself as being scared to address any of those things, even inside of the art world. And so, like, I, I, for me, no shades anybody else. But for me, I thought like the day job allows me to say whatever I want to say, um, and like you know, and I enjoy teaching. Like teaching is a definitely a part of like the work because like I'll teach about like Lisa Butler or um, wow, uh, or I'll teach about like uh, Afrofuturism or, like Greg Tate and like these different things that I'm teaching make me do my own homework and stuff mm-hmm. so I get excited and so then I can like bring this stuff back to my work and like you know what I'm saying so there's that exchange so like teaching is like allows me to be able to, like, you know, like, feed until, I, you know, until I get to that next stage of fitness Scrolls, until I get to that next stage, and, you know, I can you know eat off the work a little bit more, but, you know, I enjoy teaching it's work. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy it, uh, and I enjoy, so that's kind of how I do both. I just, you know, have my ebbs and flows of when I do it, when I'm in the studio, when I'm working, um, and then, you know, when I'm not, you know, I'll just, I'm still writing and still thinking and still summarizing, mm-hmm. you know, so that's kind of how I do both.
1: Yeah. Uh, I actually love how you mentioned that, um, it was your day job. Cause I do feel like as artists, we don't really necessarily think of our artistry as like our career, you know, it's almost like a lifestyle. So I can relate with you saying or indicating that that's your day job. But even at your day job, you're still applying or implementing things that are relative to your lifestyle, (laughs) you know, that kind of help that journey in, you know, stemming ideas, grabbing inspiration. Because I'm sure the kids also give you a lot of inspiration as well. Mm -hmm. So that's that's great. So um, you have studied at two of the most prestigious uh, institutions in Washington, D.C., Um, firstly Duke Ellington School of Arts and then secondly Corcoran Um, how did you end up at Duke Ellington did you know that you were into the arts as a young kid like how did that happen
0: I mean because we was trying to figure out we was trying to game plan like Mm. I was not I was I thank God uh, um, my trajectory in terms of school has been it's been you know I made it. I made it. I made it. I survived. I mm-hmm. survived. But I think, and I'm not shy about, like, my trajectory had everything to do with my entry into, like, special education.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: my mom, she put me in special education, and that teacher who was the teacher for that class, who did that, she was amazing. Like, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> and so, during that time was when I discovered art. And so, art was the thing that I was like really good at it was just something i like So, like just an aptitude for even though I didn't ne- I didn't necessarily see the aptitude uh but one of the first things I did the school-wide competition to draw the cover for the African-American music program at the school wow um, and I won and my grandparents still have uh that 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 book was so, it
1: middle school or elementary this
0: elementary,
1: uh, elementary school oh my gosh
0: so I, I won out of the whole school and and I look back on it. i like, I drew a picture of Frederick Douglass and it looks crazy, but it looked like Frederick Douglass. It looked like oh, wow. a crazy picture of Frederick Douglass. So I was like, so I did it. <clears throat> and that's what kind of got me like going. So even now as a teacher, like I still reflect on that period. Um, Cause my parents are trying to figure out what we're going to do with this boy. Like we mm. gotta figure something out. Like, you know, like, uh, when i was in third grade my one of my teachers put me in this little booth um because so she thought that like if she put me by myself i would get distracted less and she didn't know that i don't need company to be distracted <laughs> So i would draw on the sides of the walls and i would never sit in my chair and i was just whoo i was i was you know i was just i was being a child but i was definitely a, you know but that transition to uh uh, special education like really like you know having that teacher having those two teachers uh miss booth and miss michelle really like by the time i got the sixth grade i was like oh i'm an artist mm. um, <clears throat> and so seventh and eighth grade i had another art teacher who was really good so i would be uh so that was the trajectory that really marked the trajectory of me going to do okay and so by the time I got to, uh, seventh grade i was drawing. i was drawing. i was drawing a lot i actually the first time i met uh another artist in the area wesley um uh i was um at junior high school so i saw wesley we did like a mural so you could actually be like an actual like you know because everybody was like artists don't make any money and you're gonna be starving and you're gonna you know like uh what the mother say on um, sister act two? Everybody gonna be out singing they should have with us. So I was like, <laughs> so, but so I was like drawn and like, so I got and so I so by this time this was when the photography and graphic design industry was really booming, like the early two thousands. So everybody was like, well, mid two thousands, because um, I went to Duke in two thousand and nine, so like two thousand six, you know, seven, eight, everybody was like, graphic designer, photography, graphic designer, mm-hmm.
2: photography.
0: And so my parents and my, my grandfather was a drafts man back in the day before they had Adobe and all that good jazz. Mm-hmm. And my dad could also draw really well. Um, and so, you know, uh um, then my parents were entrepreneurs, like they were in church and so they already knew how to like manage working and doing other stuff and right. then, so they already were hustlers so they were like you could do it mm. um and so graphic design and photography was the trajectory that i thought i was going to take and so you know uh being at duke i was like a pretty big fish in a, in a small tank going to duke i was like oh these kids can draw draw like they so, can, was it intimidating
1: can, for you like
0: um, it, it wasn't necessarily like intimidating. It was just like, um, you know, like when you have that, because even when I was in elementary school, I wasn't the best drawer. Okay. So I was like, man, I'm a draw better than all. You. Like, you know, so I was like, so when I got into Duke, it was just kind of like, I learned how to cultivate the skills that I had. Mm. Um, I was never, I was never the best renderer or, painter or drawer i mean i'm decent <laughs> um <laughs> decent very good like I, I could if i if i had to do some photorealistic drawing i could get it done mm-hmm. right um if i had to really you know um i'm going i'm going definitely use that grid method but um you know so i can you know so being a Duke, it really kind of like uh it put a a little chip on my shoulder that, like, really got me, like, hungry, because I was, like, you know, um, but then it also introduced me to, uh, like, and I had one of my teachers at Duke with Stan Squire with her. And I feel like, you know, um, really introduced me to being, like, a contemporary artist. Um, and so being at Duke, I really got the contemporary art bug. And so like, and then there were certain things that are just like my printmaking. I took a liking to printmaking, and I took it. I took a liking to like you know just, you know I was doing raw shots. And so like, I didn't know that that's where the money was at. Like the girls was really. good. going up for the, you know, the, you know, the, I didn't know, I was like, these other people can paint, I can't paint. Right, right. I could do some other stuff. And so I really got into, like, conceptual art during that period of being a contemporary artist. Mm -hmm. By the time I got to my senior year, I was like, I might not be able to paint better than you. But, you know, you know, but then my printmaking and my composition was strong. Mm -hmm. and, And so, when I was applying to schools, um, you know, I did not have the best grades. <laughs> it was like my 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 act my academic grades were low, but my hmm. art grades perfect were, were B's, you know. I, you know, you can't get a C at D in, in your art, like there's nothing How do you so grade I,
1: art I, though? That's always been my question. How do you grade art? Yeah. Like what are you looking for? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean cause that, I mean, bro. I, that's the interest that is always interesting like the grade my kids were mm-hmm. um, because I feel like what I'm looking for is if you sat in my class because even for the kids that are already good if you sat in my class and you just you just kind of like I'm like all right that's I'm gonna give you a C plus like even I feel like there are kids who can't draw uh or render as well as some other kids but if I see you practicing like to me the practice is what I'm grading kids on, and if I like, if I see like a growth metric of like this is the first one you did, and this is the second one, is the third one, if I see growth in between the first one and the third one, that's how I like grade my kids on like their growth. Um, but if you sit in my class and do nothing, you gonna fight. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna or you just like you know you kind of. You don't go through the process of allowing like the work to like you know, um, cause yeah, I'm like kids. Kids be like, I can't draw. <laughs> I'm like, nobody can draw. Like drawing is not a natural. Mm-hmm. Which no one knows how to. You know, you're not growing knowing how to draw. Right, no learn. To, you learn. Knowing composition, you develop mm-hmm. it's skill. It's a technology, so you're using this technology for like you know, uh, you know, in order to. Because I feel like the pedagogy that I use is like um, uh, visual literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I use visual literacy to kind of like engage my students and then, you know, the exit sheet. So I'm like, how did you um, like self-reflection? So like, what did you learn today? I mm-hmm. um, feel like you can do better. How did, what thing, Also, what are the things you feel like you did good on? for I feel like asking kids, like, what do you think you did good on today? Uh, and then allowing them, because sometimes they're like, man, I remember being in third grade, being like really frustrated because I'm like, this don't look like, <laughs> don't look, I don't look like yeah. a circle. Like, and so this, this is bad. And my art teacher would be, she would just come over to be like, oh my God, this is so, and I'm like, lady, you're crazy. And so I find myself becoming a mixture of the teachers that I had. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit of Mr. Squire. I'm a little bit of Mr. Easton. I'm a little bit of Mr. Michelle. I'm a little bit of all these different people. Because I've been in class, I'm amped like by Mr. Easton. like, come on, man. let's go. Yes, I can park the back of the chair. i like, you know, Miss Michelle, she was very encouraging. Like, just, yes. oh my God, yes. Beautiful, this is just. Yes. And then Squire World was like, you know, like really like, pushing like the importance of like knowing different artists Mm. understanding who's out there, understanding what other artists are doing, what's in the field, like Mm. who's in the field. And like why I feel like it's a benefit for me being a practicing like artist of like, like, being able to be like, all right, these are like the professional practice skills that you're going to have. If you can't draw, you can still be uh, one of the greatest artists that ever existed. Like, you, don't, you sure can. Like, <laughs> it's facts. You don't need to be able to be the best drawer because there's plenty of artists who cannot draw. Yeah. And what they're selling really is not their ability or capacity to render. There are people who don't paint. They do other things. And so the thing that you really need to be a professional artist is not just just technical skills. Sure. You know because for me i'm like i'm a sculpture installation person now how i became an installation person i have no idea <laughs> I, was, I am not classically trained to know how to know which screws go with which bulb or which mm-hmm. how, how to twist it you know and it'd be frustrating when i'd be having shows and people who really do this stuff you're like you know you should have did it like this right i'm like well i well, okay all right yeah thank you for telling me after the fact like thank y'all sure enough to include that the next time i build like yeah i've learned the hard way of how to build certain things and but like, it,
1: it was built how about that yeah, <laughs> it, it was, was in built. an exhibition so there but,
0: yeah. yeah. um, but so by the time i got to corcoran my senior year at duke this was the lesson that i learned by my senior year at duke
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like some of the prints that I was making were crazy. Like I'm still trying to get back in that bag. Like some of the prints that I was making were like, and just being in the studio, experimenting, being annoying to my teacher. Um, when I was just cleaning up ink, and I was just like, hmm. and then I put a brown piece of paper down and like, uh, roll the roll the. Whatever the thing, the thing was I was using to like yeah. press the ink off the table. I picked it up. It looked like, um, I don't know if it was like, if it was like Japanese, like kind of like those ink drawings. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to cut out the little streaks. I'm going to cut them out with a razor. And so I would like unscrew pencil sharpeners and like use the pencil sharpeners because I was not going all the way to Blick for, for I, was, I wasn't I was going so I would just find little pencil just unscrew the blade, mm. like cut in the, you know, I got calluses on my fingers from that. Because I was like, I would cut into the
1: resourceful. That's what they call it, resourcefulness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so by hook or by crook, I was going to like, again, I wasn't the best, but I was mm. going to like, get you know, so like, but then um, one of the uh, uh, recruiters from corporate saw my work. Mm hmm. So they came to the school, saw my work, and then AU had a show, and we could win scholarships. And so I won a scholarship. And, you know, there were some other schools that were like, nah, Slim, like these grades go wild. Like, O'Corky mm-hmm. <laughs> was like, look, these grades is a little wild. But, you, and so, like, again, so, like, um, went to school, went to Corcoran again graduated by you know the skin of my teeth but I graduated um and so I became the school was like crazy because it was like I didn't start writing good until I got out of school mm. mm-hmm. it's wild because I was like how did I <laughs> it took me boy I was like I wish I was writing how I'm writing now but um, by the time I graduated I became so much of a better writer um, but it still take me it take it me forever yeah. I can relate with you when you say like some
1: of the things I feel like when I was in school at the Corcoran now I'm like man like I didn't have the words and then I also felt like I didn't have the tools I was making work but it's like as soon as you leave it's like that studio you know the opportunity to write your narrative like all of those ideas just came when it was time to go (laughs) so I can relate with you on that.
0: It was wild because I was just like and the other part I feel like the uh uh, and I what I really started like really reading close to the end.
2: Mm. Um,
0: uh, and I had like professors. There were some classes that I failed that I learned a lot from. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I took a grad course. I took a grad level course in uh installation and uh um in exhibition design. Mm-hmm. And I failed that class, but I learned so <laughs> I learned so much about Dada, I learned so much about like flux, I learned so much about like even like uh like the early scene in New York, I learned so much about like and so I started to like really get into like all right, and then I did a super senior year and I took like um, this was a GW course, I took like mm-hmm. intro to black literature. I took a black radicalism class, right?
1: What? What where were these classes? <laughs> so,
0: Come on now. It was a lot of foolishness when GW and Corporate merged. It was yes. a lot of foolishness. Oh man. But one of the benefits was the opened up like, like uh and so my homegirl Yustine, she was like, yo, like uh her Advisor put her on to these classes. She was like, I want to say classes that have black class- oh, classes. And so she was like, "Yeah, I'm taking these classes." I was like, "Oh, I'm taking, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm taking." And then, being in that class, of course, I was thinking about like gentrification, displacement, erasure, and reassertion. But uh, one of the classes was a Black radicalism class taught from a Black like, um, like Black feminists or Black women's lens. Wow!
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It took the trajectory of Black movement. But talked about the women in those movements so it wow. About,
1: it's wow I'm blown them. away like this is <laughs> you know like just going to Corcoran and feeling like god damn like what can I relate to as far as like just the education I learned a lot but I was craving you know after 30 Americans I was craving for something and I don't know if you know this but um, Nick Cave was about to teach a class and so um, you know I was trying to like take the class, but then all of a sudden it was canceled. There was some issue with pay, but that was like my senior year. And I was like, dang, I missed that opportunity, like to really, really get that um, chance. So I'm glad you, you know, you were able to, to get those, those courses.
0: And my cohort there was really black. Like we mm-hmm. had a pretty cohort.
1: That's fantastic. Um,
0: one of my homies, Khadija, she was really radical. Like She was mm-hmm. radical. And so like, the introduction to like intersectional like feminism like and, like from the like that 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 was, like, whew, so like that was and then I had Holly Bass like what like, so Holly Bass taught of course while I was at the Corcoran uh, and so like that was like uh, having that experience of like those that that and then it was all we was all angry we was all like this is wild and so you know so then we started doing like protests and stuff mm. you know raising cane and you know doing a whole bunch of different stuff and so like that was also like uh, you know a part of like a radicalizing experience doing right, that, having other black people around who were like queer and critical mm. and and like you know like that was that was also like really an amazing experience because it like cultivated and shifted like you know yeah so that was that was so that was that was kind of like my so by the time I left Corcoran you know I was in my bag I was I was like I had the chip on my shoulder from Duke Mm Mhm. I that through Corcoran and so by the time I got to my senior year I was like I was I'm taking all of this stuff and I'm like so I you know so that was that that period. Um, and then my homegirl Alana, uh, she put me on to this uh, to the Chocolate City show, mm. uh, and so that Chocolate City show got me connected, uh, uh to Martina Dodd, and so like that was like an introduction to a lot of like you know the whole like black artist community, right? Right, of course, I reconnected with. Wesley like so that was that was amazing so it was like that kind of trajectory of like coming back into I think also I feel like for me my experience like the black artist community in DC is being really strong and really mm-hmm. being like a good support because like no shade like one of my uh teachers at Corcoran I'm not going to say it, but my teacher at Corcoran was like you know take pictures of your work because it's going to be a long time before you're in a space like this and you know, it's going to be a while before you really, you know, get going and you start your career and you're going to get a lot of notes. Now, I got gotten some notes, but it's going to be a while for you. Da, 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 da. But like, um, having that first show was like, oh, like, and so it was like, then I, you know, just kept showing kept, and kept moving.
1: And kept
0: yeah. And then it kept, you know, and um, then. Jonathan Valaciano gave us amazing class on like just how to like... We had the assignment was basically to be a practicing artist. That was essentially mm-hmm. the We had to do a number of studio visits. Um, we had to go to a number of artist talks. We had to go to a few openings. Mm-hmm. We had to do studio visits. And one of the studio visits I did was with Michael Platt. And the way I knew... The only reason I knew who it was is because Squiro had a picture... Platt in the room, mm. and so the way that I met Platt was, it was at like this bookstore, and like he was in the back, he was asleep, and me and Kadisha was sitting right next to him. He was asleep, and I was like, what's this <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like. Uh, just having these relationships with folks who were, like, in it and already doing it. Right, right. Like, you know, by either intention or by happenstance, you know what I'm saying? Like, and they being like, you know, hey, come back, come by the studio. Uh, Like, I had, like, one of my mentors, uh, JP, Charles Jean-Pierre, I was, like, his studio assistant for a while. And so, um, just watching him work, how he worked, um, and like, uh, so, yeah, so that was just, so the school trajectory kind of got me connected with other artists. And then mm-hmm. YouTube became my mentor, like having Holly Bath as a mentor was like, you know, so like when I applied to Halcyon, uh, I sent my um, my application to, uh, to, to Holly Bath And she kind of sent it back and was like, no, think bigger. Yeah. And I was like, think bigger. I was like, this is, this is, this is, this is the biggest. So, you know, it's a meme out now, like think big, think yeah. this. Like, like, no, like think bigger, like think more, like, okay, this is cool. What do you think? What do you, and so like having, um, and so I was already doing social practice, like or socially engaged work. Right. And so like, um, I was applying to things that really fit me. I was applying to things, looking for things that really fit, and so being able to apply to um, House Young was great because it was a very like sought-after fellowship, and mm-hmm. I, would, I really didn't think I was like I'm just again like professors, would like you apply to stuff, you know. I've gotten notes, like recently. I've gotten some notes. on, and so. Um, but I've got notes on a professional front that I was just, <laughs> I am like, oh, like that that's the part that we kick them out. But the art stuff is like cool, but the professional stuff, I'm yeah. like, so like, teaching has really made me a better professional artist. Mm-hmm. But I tell people, I was a practicing artist before I was a professional artist. I was just doing it, all of the sending emails, all of the corresponding, I suck. That was... <laughs> But teaching has really kind of organized me because I can't spend all day on the piece. So I always right. have time to spend on this piece. So mm-hmm. if I'm in the studio, I'm in the studio. Yeah, and then right. I got to be at work at a certain time tomorrow. So either I'm going to stay at the studio and take a shower in the bathroom, but I still got to be at work at a certain time tomorrow. Or um, I can only spend as much time on this application. So it, it, it made me be like, all right, this is what you got to do, you got to do this. So like teaching made me more of an adult and a professional artist, Definitely. still still working, but I feel like those are the things that like, um, yeah, so that's, all of these different things kind of like coalesce. It's like where I'm at right now in terms of like being an artist who had like a chip on their shoulder. Definitely. Uh, Having some academic challenges um, but also having to navigate what it means to be a functioning a practicing artist with these challenges, right? And so, like, even when I work with my kids, I'm telling my kids, like, whether you do art or not, like, these, whatever challenges you have, whatever things that you, you know, like, I didn't like the, like, who would have thought, I never would have thought that I'd have made it here. Um, before I went to art school, I wanted to go to the military because so I was like, I need structure. I can't do Chicago. I can't make it. I was crying, I was a wheel wow. And so my mom was like, boy, <laughs> um you're going to school. You're and so that's when Corcoran, I mm. got my acceptance letter to Corcoran. Um, but yeah, so yeah. So that's, that that was, you know a long-winded, you know, answer. No, that
1: was absolutely not long-winded at all. Like, I feel like that was the information I was asking for. Um, but to move forward, at what point do you feel like you've found your voice? Are you still searching for your voice? Or do you know what you're trying to share as an artist?
0: I think, like, I was talking to, uh, talking to my whole Alana. And she, mm-hmm. The work really brings you back to yourself. Like... Mm. I feel like uh, it's been really interesting, right? Like, the work, the work for me is my work is personal, right? And so, um, as much as my work has been a conceptual or theoretical, like, um, investigation or study Mm -hmm. um, Black life, Black experiences, it's a study, but, like, a study from a very, like, personal perspective, right? And so, like, and so as I began to discover so like the work that I'm working on right now, I never thought, I never thought, I never thought I would be discussing the intersections of like queerness and the sanctification and the fact that oh, oh, I never, never would have thought that I'd be putting in the work. Oh.
1: So what changed it or like what made you actually put that in your work?
0: I mean, well, so... Since I i came out recently, and mm-hmm. so and so, like, I would have conversations with uh my and So, again, talking to Alana, she was like, You know, some of the things we talk about like you talk about personal stuff in your work, like when I talked about like my relationship with my mom mm-hmm. using the very interior perspective of her life, um, and her family pictures. Because I found I just was in my room and found a picture. Of like an old album in my room. Uh and it was like old pictures because we lived in the house my mother grew up in. Mm-hmm. And so when I uh, I found that and I started to talk about like, and I was dealing with I, at the time I was dealing with my relationship with my mom. We had a very, you know, I'm her son, but I'm also, I'm her child. I'm her um, you know, I have my a lot of my dad, but also my mom, you know what I'm saying? She was like you know she was like you gonna have a little bit of me you know what I'm saying? so she put a little bit of me in her mm-hmm. but the part of me that she put in there <laughs> it was you know you know it was the part that you know very strong will, very um you know uh yeah so um and so like we were you know we were dealing with our things so I began to understand my mom a whole lot more through the work and I began to mm-hmm. understand my grandmother a whole
2: mm-hmm. lot more.
0: It's thinking about so I was senior year of college, I was thinking about post-traumatic slave syndrome. I started thinking about I was thinking about um Philando Castillo. And I was thinking about the, the things that we kept seeing on the loop. And I was like, how do we respond? How do what is the what is the effect on us? And so the natural inclination would be like, what if I just put it on a loop? And like, I was like, no, my mental health can't take. Mm-hmm. Put that on the hoop and going to a predominantly white school,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so I was like, but then Wesley put me on the Dr. Joy degree post traumatic study syndrome mm-hmm. and to study that and study family pathology and enduring legacies of you know, so then I started to my family legacy and wood and family trees as a result of I was initially painting. And then I got into sculpture as a result of contemplating trees as, like, a wood as a way of holding history and the black body and the way the world and the black body holds it. So I got into that. good. Then I was thinking about, like, I graduated and I was doing um, uh, a lot of independent study. I had, like, three independent study classes in my fifth, my fifth year of school. I, like, I was, like, you know, I was thinking a lot about gentrification, just right. me. But so I wanted to come back to that work that I was doing before and so that made me think about like these photos that I had with my mom and so I started to grit and tear and like create these kind of like collages uh, and so then I'm thinking about like uh, my mom's photos with the wood and with all of these other things and so then so this unfolding and then I started to think about like the black congregation and like you said mm-hmm. the black as a collective like experience but thinking about it as queerness as a queer experience uh and like found family in the correlation yeah. in the black church like mothers people that you're not related to but mother father sister like and so like and then like the move of the spirit as like so what i'm where i'm at right now is like the move of the spirit as mm. An erotic experience, and uh, you know, and you know, my you know, my dad, to I hear he like, he's like, "All right, now, all right, all right, <laughs> yeah, like, all right, that ain't, you know, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't Bible. and I'm like, "Okay, all right, you know, because you know, I come from a, a holiness Pentecostal, you know, mm-hmm. like I, my, I'm actually, my dad is a fourth and fifth generation pastor on both sides, so yeah, wow." Has four, and so, but the legacy of that, like, uh, talking to my grandmother, she said the reason she left and created, my grandmother started her own ministry. Okay. She was at the preaching at a time where that was still, like, not, as many, as many Black women that were, like, preaching and pastoring and doing, that was still not kosher to some mm-hmm. people. So, but then the way that my grandmother's ministry worked, some people viewed what she did as social work. And so, so short. social work social mm-hmm. work and so but she would like pick people up bring them to church feed them and it was a lot of young people okay and so she would drop them off home it was a lot of like street ministry and so my parents my family got in urban ministry before it became a thing before it became a thing yeah you know so you know so this legacy of of of, of this tradition and like looking at like Shouting as like you know, and so like even like shouting, I'm like that's something that's very oppositional to like transgressive to order whiteness, and so. But then thinking about like church and shouting in the black, like uh, church experience is something antithetical to white supremacy, and as its own kind of like closeted experience, like you know, like how we understand, uh, church folks, you had to you had to go somewhere to have church. Yeah. And, In the woods to have church together.
1: So, like, and I hate to cut you off, but it's like you going back to wood, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's within the foundation of our existence as Black people. Wood, you know, takes you far in so many different angles and aspects of African American history, just in general. So, I'm like, God damn, like, just your narrative within itself is so powerful, but then, like, linking it to all these different things, you know, you like the way that you're talking about how. You're starting to talk about one thing, and then it goes into the another thing, and then it goes to family, then it goes to this. Like, oh my god! But keep
0: going. <laughs> so, like, but that's like for me, like when I, like even like as a, I got at this point I'm an intellectual academic. I've accepted mm-hmm. that. To, I brand myself that. Mm-hmm. But like, the work for me, I'm a like, I heard I heard Fred Moten and uh, I think C.D. Hartman were talking about like different like Black Studies and Black Studies. And i think black people are starting to reclaim the practice of black study yeah black studies as an institutional thing but black study as you know something that's integral to our survival and not mm. in, something that is elite in terms of like i'm smart and you're not yeah um, but something that is integral to like you know and so like for me the kind of like realization it's a self-practice a self-development like you know my own personal ish and so before i ever thought about an audience before i thought about like where the work is going to go how it's going to be installed all of that i was just work. i was just trying to figure my stuff out yeah yeah and so as a manifestation of trying to figure my stuff out and made me think about all of the ways in which i have to think about um uh, Like Afro pessimism is like the big thing. Because Afro pessimism talks about like the superstructure of, you know, white supremacy is very large superstructure. It's the sky, it is the environment, it is the, you know. uh,
1: So, what is the word? I've never heard this word before. Afro pessimism? Yeah. Okay, explain, explain. Yeah.
0: So, if I could give my kind of like my understanding of Afro pessimism, so Mm. right, it is to think about. Like, uh, it is an understanding of our existence in the context of white supremacy. Okay. And so to understand that, like, okay, we could do all the work that we want to do, but this work doesn't amount to much unless we destabilize, deconstruct, eradicate, and emancipate ourselves. Right. Imperialist, capitalist, white supremacists. You know, patriarchy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so, like, but uh, then on the other end, Sadia and like people like in the way, so like mm-hmm. um, uh, thinking about, okay, yes, and, but also we still have to do the work. And so, um, not a negation, but Hortense Bill and I think Bell Hooks like say something similar where they say, like, love doesn't exist if you don't exist in a functional society. Exactly. Then Horton Spiller says Blackness in another, uh, in her work on intimacy, she says love doesn't exist. And of course, Bill hook says communion. Like, these things don't exist if we're not in a functional society. But then um, Horton Spiller, um, in her work in Black culture, she says Blackness brings the world back to a place of human inhabitation. Right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so... Afro-pessimism and the work of Black culture in terms of it being a process of bringing the world back to... So if we think about how do we preserve ourselves and, like, one thing that I link... I don't disconnect my pursuit for affection, intimacy, and love Mm -hmm. from the issues of gentrification. Because if I'm trying to date... It's hard to date when stuff costs so much. Facts. No... (laughs) Or find a boo, but you also try to find, and then you and your boo both stressed out. I'm not saying that I've been there, but yeah, <laughs> no, I understand. Both stressed out because y'all both trying to work, y'all both trying to be adults, y'all both trying to figure out like uh, your relationship to your body. You're just trying to figure all of this stuff out in the context of trying to find a job, trying to find a full food trying to so like you're doing that you know that but then it brings together that conversation between James Ball and Nikki Giovanni which was like you know like she was like "Lie to me he was like I can't and, yeah. like, and so like what does that work look like of the superstructure and but that my work is talking about is the evidence of the intimate like intimate mm-hmm. and art is evidence of something much larger so like my work around gentrification it should be used as evidential, like evidence like evidence. If I wanted to take this to the Supreme Court, my work should be visual evidence of the impacts of gentrification, as practical in terms of infrastructure, but also how does the infrastructure then impact our intimate daily lives? Our intimate daily lives as evidence um, mm-hmm. in research. They uh, always forget the word for research, but. Uh, Uh, not anecdotal research but uh, qualitative research Mm -hmm. and so my work is a black study that centers qualitative research Uh, and so it should be used as evidence as qualitative research while I'm producing aesthetics for black people to enjoy and live in and embody so I'm trying to do the work of like crafting a very critical language that is resistant to white supremacy while simultaneously trying to like stay true to like uh, Bell, Hooks, I'm, I'm, Bell Hooks, he was in a talk with like other intellectuals, and no shade to Henry Louis Gate, but he was like, Us intellectuals, we all know the feeling that we have left our communities behind. And Bell Hooks' face was in, uh, immediately like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's quite funny saying this first of all, boy, you better get that PhD. But secondly, it's like, What you're saying is almost like, what is the response to Afro-pessimism? You know what I mean? Because with you stating all the people that you've quoted, we all have a different view of what that may look like. You know, so what is the right answer? What is the wrong answer? Like, how do we then have a clear understanding of how we function (laughs) in a state that is predominantly, you know, reigned or, you know, owned and functioned in the lens of the Supreme, you know, the Supreme, but like, what does that look like for us? And how do we navigate in this environment that wasn't built for us?
0: Right. And that's why I like, the reason I like, I have not completely, completely abandoned my relationship to the black church completely. <laughs> um Is because I feel like it was the first attempt in answering that question. Yeah. Um, and not just in, like, some kind of, like, abstract sense, but a real sense of, like, actually, like, okay, like, um, what is it, the first, one that was the first instance of, like, us coming together to even have a congregation to have a collective experience, out from, but also inside. And so this is why, like, the Black uh the idea of outside and inside, like, uh, it was the first experience of having that, first initial experience of having to do the work with each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and having to problem solved with each other. Having mm-hmm. to like, raise money. You had to, cook. you had to do a number of things and then uh, but also do this in the context of white supremacy domination. Mm-hmm. So it is an actual practice of being in the context of and right, right next to you right adjacent beside white supremacist domination mm-hmm. and trying to cultivate something outside of white supremacist domination while simultaneously being and having to return to it at the end of this meeting and so like uh so like that's that that's where my work is going like next yeah. Like,
1: I love that you're articulating it very well. And it makes me also question because, you know, my um, lineage is also African, but we like, you know, me also having so many different cultures that I'm tapping into mixed with tradition and religion. So my family is very heavily Christian on my maternal side, but, you know, like we were colonized, so we still have traditional African things that we mix with. Christianity but it's also that push and pull as to like how do we reclaim you know our own traditions but also stick with our new embracing that new religion you know which is not new now but I'm just like I completely understand what you're saying and curious to see like how that takes form and shape in your you know your visual narratives like that's a lot it's heavy and it's but it's always going to be continual
0: you know what I mean like
1: you have always something to say about <laughs> that topic
0: I, I love because you know one thing I as much as like I can't I've been church real bad and it's yeah. so bad. like you know because I love like when I look at like ballroom right now like mm-hmm. that's I mean, like church sanctuary yeah it's my sanctuary that you know exists and function in the same way that the church
1: function mm-hmm.
0: you know my ancestors in terms of like um, but also the move of the spirit, so like you know, I'm I still have. I can't think about like my, like, but then also like my like shout is yeah. It's like like what I think about like speaking the tongue, like he shout that boss.
2: Yeah, like,
0: that is that's that that is a part of a legacy that. Um, It's a part of the Black church, but extends beyond the Black church. Absolutely. How we establish, like, our... So, like, where Black people exist in congregations, specifically spiritual spaces...
1: Absolutely. You hit it on the nail. Because I was just like, it goes deeper than that. Because spiritually, as Black people, we need that, you know? Whether we're getting it from Christianity. Like, no matter what religion or no matter what space we seek sanctuary we need that sense of community. We need that sense of like, you know, what were you saying, speaking in tongue? We need that sense of connection right. with a different ancestral spiritual realm. Like we need some form of yeah. that space. So <laughs> yeah, most definitely.
0: But yeah. well, I think in terms of like, like answering the question in terms of like the evolution of like mm. where the uh, work is gone where it's gone, like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a conversation and a negotiation between so like, uh, myself, and, like, I was, like, you know, I'm in conversation with my friends. i mean mm-hmm. conversation with my family. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, my dad, although he's not, like, you know, the biggest fan of the work that I'm producing right now, he was still, like, all right, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to really make sure your research is tight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're still going to have to, like, uh, he was, like, you know, like, you know, are you talking to the people that are actually in it? Like, you know what I'm saying? Of course, you must be going to Mm-hmm. So he's giving me good points over going to this. <laughs> and so he's like, you know, like, are you, but like the the, the advice is still heated in terms of like because he as much, you know, he's he has he's working on his PhD. And so he knows research, mm-hmm. knows, you know, scholarship and all that good jazz. And so shoot,
1: uh, it's a good thing to have, you know, so many of these different people to tap into and get support from whether or not you're going to take that advice or not it's just like you have so many people in your corner that are like pushing you in the direction that you're gonna you know excel in
0: so that's what that but that yeah i just that's what the it's that's what like these things are Mm -hmm. are like staying true to the practice of like study is the thing that has allowed me to uh Continue, and the way that black study has radicalized me with every step of it. Like, I never would have thought that I would you know, someone who could be considered a pure artist. I never thought yeah. I would be a possibility. Um, I never thought I would see the other side of the uh, And so, like, the fact that I'm here now is being a direct result of my engagement with black study. And, like, uh, not just intellectually, but also visually, you know, like, and one thing that I can say about my relationship to the Black church is, uh, something about, you know, studying the word. Like, you know, I come from a generation of Bible scholars. So it's like, it ain't just about studying the word, but it's about applying the word. Like, mm-hmm. Don't just study the word. You have to apply the word. To the word. Right. It has to get in your sphere. And so I'm not just talking about my work, but I'm meditating. i like, sometimes my work ahead me here ready to punch a wall. <laughs> i like, like the work is like real, and real to me. Like you know what I'm saying. So like I feel like I meditate, be on the, on the earth and you know, I meditate, be in the thinking about it. So the work is as I engage with it, it's transformed me. Um, and so you know, like they say in church, you know, the way I used to walk, I don't walk no more. The way I used to mm-hmm. talk, I don't talk no more. You know, it's, it's the change, just the change. You know, and so that's how I see that. Um, And this is last, like last night, I was like, and like she said, like, we have to die, like, we're going to actually have to die. Mm. And so, um, of course, some scriptures says, you know, I'm crucified with Christ, you know. And so, this idea of like dying, of course, is like this idea of dying is, you know, had been taken from other spiritual and religious traditions.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But this idea of like dying, being born consistently. Right. So I think the work has killed me someday. Um and then reverse some consistently like dying. Um so the dying is an act of like liberation and, and, light and you know emancipation. So you know like you know the work has killed me, but it's it's it's, it's brought me back to life. So that's that's why I'm just like the evolution
2: and mm-hmm.
0: evolving nature of the world is as long as I stay true to Black study, as long as I stay true to the study of my people, my experiences, our lives, our stories, that's, that's my new life. Love it. Mm-hmm. That I'm, I'm new you know, Like the evolution of
1: expansion of people. Yes. Fantastic. So... We have about 10 minutes, but I wanted to ask you this question because since we've been having this wonderful conversation, I remember you sharing the story about you, you know, being stuck in this booth, but still finding a way to draw. Right. And my initial like interpretation of that is that you were still freeing yourself, even in the confinement of people thinking that they had to like push you in certain directions or focus on one thing. So now that you've, you know, earned your degree as, um, you know, a fine artist and you're moving towards being a professional artist, like you say, um, what does ultimate freedom look like for you at this stage in life, mm-hmm. as an artist?
0: I think going, I've done this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a
1: little
0: fire is everywhere, it's a like really good series, uh, particularly like, you know, the know, when you see talk to the white girl, She's so like, look, you're going to be critiquing everybody else. You got to be ready for a critique for yourself. Right. Like, you got to be ready for the things to turn it back to you. So I think that like, uh, the thing that I think like freedom is for me is I'm really starting to be like healing work, right? Uh, because James Baldwin said, you know, to be relatively conscious is to be consistent with race. But from what I understand, the other part of that, was like but that's no way to like live like that's no way to like exist feel, so I have to find a peace and care and love like so I think we um I'm really looking for it. particularly like thinking about like being in the way being it's like and you know, like that's and like being like you know um since I've done all of this work to like know like, really like come to a whole new space. I like talking with It's like, whoo, oh, it'll 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 make you want to home Yeah, like. yeah. But I feel like I'm you know, coming to this new space, it's being really about like taking my time and you know? listening to like, you know, like starting therapy and like getting into like uh conversations and you know mining through our like so I feel like freedom of course until we you know, deconstruct this whole entire thing, you know, until it all burns down. Mm-hmm. Um, the freedom that I'm finding is the peace in, life. Um, the personal way, like, the uh, person work, was, like, slowing down and being more, like, uh, taking care of myself. And, like, right. Being in relationships with other folks, like, you know what I'm seeing like, caring for, being a better friend. Like, you know, these are the things that I'm finding, like, is to do the do the work of being with other people, like doing work loving my you know friends, loving my sisters, loving my you know. So like that's the work um that I feel like really is really me, emancipating me. Because you know, as long as my physical form, you know, what I'm saying, is like my spirit is, good, you know, what I'm saying, and so like. Um, as long as I can do work with my spirit, as long as I can like, work with my spirit, with, you know, that's that to me is the so, You know, I guess going back to as far as like going back to you know to take me. That starts with you know. So right now, to be honest, like I don't, I don't know if I see myself as like free. I see myself in the struggle for it. You know what I'm saying? I see myself like em- in the process of emancipating, like myself and like mm. my children and my and not even just like the kids that i teach like if right. i was a gay parent i think about being a gay parent all the time like if i was to have you know gay kids i would like who am i as an elder right that is that is me being free that is the my imagination of being free that like and somebody told me this like about peace it was like they i was i was like, <sighs> just want peace you know, like, it's piece of destination and a piece of process. Whoa. So, <laughs> what a question. <laughs> <laughs> and so I never see, like, freedom as a destination because, you know, of course, like, being in proximity to Black men, it's like, like, emancipation of freedom is no destination. Because as soon as people mm-hmm. think arrived at it, uh, and that's the issue with the Black church. Black yeah. church, you know, like, it arrived at something. And so, like, but... And when we start thinking that we arrived at the destination of freedom, then we realize that there are people coming after us that are going to challenge our understanding of freedom. Facts. So I'm dealing with the fact that like I'm just in this continuum of emancipation and emancipation and So freedom is being like being in that thing. And like, you know, hopefully when I have some years you know, when I'm talking to somebody who reminds me of myself, I can win a whole little new, more newer uh, vision. Uh, somebody told me that, like, uh the speaking really like, gave me but I think, in general,
2: mm-hmm.
0: in general, like, the possibility models. And so what I'm really trying to generate is a possibility model. Um, and so engaging with my young people about, you know, the possibility models, of like what emancipation could potentially look like, right? And, to, like, and so that that's just that's how I view freedom. That's how I view you know like you know uh, you know you know yeah. So that's just how I view like freedom. How I view myself in freedom. That's how I view where I. Uh, uh, I forgot because Nina Simone's quote about like freedom. I don't know why it's stuck in my mind. Uh, she says, I can't think about it right now, but whatever Nina, what Nina Simone did. Like, <laughs> um, but that's, that's, and I feel like artists are, cause we get a bad rap with not being necessary. Um, but um, the same way that mathematicians create and scientists create, you know, mm-hmm. hey, uh black artists present like the ethic for how that space is going to be inhabited be central to the work, because the work does not exist without us actually, without the ethos,
2: mm-hmm. we want to
0: engage, without the ethic of how we want to engage, you know, so that's why, yeah, so freedom is just, you know, the work, the process, and then the ethic that kind of guides it. so like, you know, being in that continuum of being in that work, you know, satisfied.
1: Fantastic. So I have two final questions for you. Um, well, the, the two things that I have for you, one of them is not a question. I wanted to see um, if you have any advice for any of our listeners that are, you know, practicing artists, want to be, you know, professional artists and maybe are educators. What advice do you have for someone that's like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing right now, but uh, what, what, what's next?
0: <laughs> I think the is the like, right. Slow, I, I would. I would, The advice I would give, I give, uh, just as like professional practice, is just be outside, be outside, yeah. doing hood, rest stuff with your friends, like be outside. Um, and being outside will, we'll, particularly in the space like DC, in the city, like DC, I don't know about other cities, I don't know about New York, I don't know about Atlanta, I don't know about the rest of us. Be outside, uh, go to shows, talk to people, if you really see your face. Wanna, folks are nosy. Everybody's trying to like get on. Yeah. So folks are going to ask you, oh, what do you do? What do, you, what do you, what's your work about? Like the
1: famous DC question. <laughs> yeah. What, what,
0: what's your work about? What do you What do you got going on? Folks those nosy. They want to know. They don't, don't. Nobody knows anybody. So like people will not want to know who you is and who you are on that In terms of like just getting out there and starting to make you. You know, people want to see good people put on. So, at least from what I've seen in DC and certain other places. But right? so that's the one. Here on the other hand, it's like, do do. Oh, one thing I'm big about: do do your homework. Homework. Like, do Home your like uh, you know, per say, Like, this is one thing I'm like really critical about. Like, young black, you know, young black male artists. About I'm like, like do do your homework. Not just about, you know, I'm a young black man. What about it? What about it? What's the story? What do you research? What yeah, about you yeah. What, in addition to that? What do you,
1: right. what do you,
0: you know, like, critical like you gotta gotta do your homework. Do your homework. Do your research. No, you know, you're not the first person to fill this thing. So that other people can inform the understanding of the things you're going through and like trying to process and trying to think about it. So that's my big thing. Get out there, do your homework, um, and like smoke. Um, (laughs) 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 You know, here today. Yeah. Uh, You know, if you don't like smoking, J's, you know. You know, not not too much, but you know, get a get a little bottle, of, you know, some, you know, uh bourbon. Something to cool I'm, it
1: down, easy as yeah, a little something bit.
0: Explore, you know, Burn some incense, <laughs> place some, play some white noise, play some smooth jazz, mm-hmm. play some Beyonce. like do, <laughs> do something. Like all the other part is like, don't nobody really know what they do.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, there's artists out here, like established artists like have teams of people to do what you're trying to do by yourself yeah so like you know like nobody nobody really got the thing everybody's trying to work the thing out like and the thing i like about being an emerging artist is i get to see established artists make mistakes (laughs) and i get to read about their mistakes and i get to read about people's critiques of their mistakes And i get to read about people's critiques of the critiques i get the I get to watch people fail. So like, I feel like being an uh, unestablished, emerging, independent, like um, artist, like you get to watch people fail. And like, you know, like you get to learn from other people's mistakes and lessons. Like, don't be afraid. One thing I, I'm really strong about, is, like don't be afraid of where like, some people hate the discourse. And it's like, oh, you can't do nothing. And I'm, mm-hmm. like, I'm like, yeah, you can do whatever the fuck you wanna do. But don't be afraid of it because you get to watch how other people are like failing and you get to learn from like those missteps and you get to be thoughtful about, okay, like next time if I do something like this, I know not to say this thing. (laughs) That's more like, and so like really like learning from the discourse, be in the discourse, see what people are talking about. You know, don't be afraid of like the discourse. Oh, because sometimes you see somebody else make a mistake and you knew Oh, I could have made that mistake, mm-hmm. and it's like, are you taking the criticism of that other person personally? Because it's like, oh, now you can't know. <laughs> take the, take it on the chin, learn from what other people are doing in the, in the community, in these spaces, and you know, yeah. So that's why I was like,
1: that's great. Um, for me, um, I'm, I'm taking that advice to heart is to be outside. I have like severe social anxiety (laughs) and it's not noticeable sometimes but it's like for me like if I'm walking in a room and I see some people that I admire I just like I don't know what to do with myself you know and like try to quickly exit left not even that but people like I know it's just like just being in a crowd too long so I've been working on it the podcast has been helpful but like just you know being outside and actually like interacting with my peers is a Mm -hmm. challenge for me Mm -hmm. due to anxiety but it's like I need to you know, be amongst my people. It's not that I don't want to. It's just like that yeah. fear of being like in that space. So I'm, I'm gonna take it to heart. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
0: yeah. so like locking in, also like locking in with your own, like, like locking in with the with your folks. Like, right? You have like these different circles, different rings of like relationships. Mm-hmm. So you have like your friends. Like these are the people that you spend your time. And then you kind of have like those other people who are like, and they kind of like. I mean, so like the certain people that I know that if I if I don't want to go somewhere by myself, I'm gonna probably call like this person, that person, and be like, okay, person. come with me. <laughs> keep me going, <laughs> and then and then we 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 having a good time, and so other people gravitate to us. I it's see because we having a good time. Got Everyone. it. Like, oh yeah! <laughs> be wow. People be coming up to me and be like, "Oh, I see you," and I'm like, "I ain't nobody." Like, I, I, <laughs> I. I might have did a few things, but I'm like, I ain't. No, I ain't really, you know what I'm saying? like.
1: But also, it's like, you never know, though, because it's like, your, your work could speak for you. You know what I mean? You're like, I'm just a regular trade, but right. it's like people seeing your shit and being like, wait a minute. This is, you know, this is some fire stuff. So you never know how people can impact you. Yeah. And that's like, when you speak of Holly Bass, like, I've just been such a fan. And like, every time I see her, I just like, freeze. I'm like, that's Holly Bass, you know? So it's like, hey. You, you people don't really know like what you mean to them because your work speaks for you so yeah. it's like you know you can't say you're not a nobody but i'm just trying yeah. to make a point there
0: yeah well that's why that's why i'm like it's so interesting but i also am like accepting the fact that now i have something to really give back i'm not like the I'm not the I'm not the baby anymore. like, mm-hmm. like so i have things to offer i have experience right and so like you know that's why i'm like it's been interesting to like be at this stage of my practice. Um but yeah because I'm I, I know the feeling of like being like oh I don't but like I think like locking in the main thing I tell my kids is like um forget network about relationships everybody not gonna be a friend. Yeah that's true. But if you got those two or three people it's a wrap. <laughs> you don't need nothing else don't need nothing now and no and then those, the people, people too, but get people to but get four. right and then you start to make that but I, all, other than that
1: perfect so i'm so sorry we have one minute left i we did not even discuss your upcoming show i need you to please put in the information of where your your next show will be i yeah. understand this is happening in september so please yeah, let I'm us know
0: number, um prayer closet and so some of the things i talked about today um, we'll be in prayer closet. So, yeah. So, now we know. we check it out. September 9th is the opening. So, yes. Please.
1: Fantastic. And then also, please quickly share your social media handles for us. We got 30 seconds.
0: Uh, black, M-R-B-L-A-C-K underscore E-B-B underscore Art. Black, M-R-R. Actually, no. Don't follow that one. That's <laughs> will not. Okay, I'll edit it out. L-F-White Studios. L-F-White underscore studious. L-F-Y underscore studios.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We love you so much and kudos to everything you're doing. It's fantastic. Keep going. You're the best.
2: <laughs> All right.
1: Take care. Bye-bye.